You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show. We're stoked that you're here. Genuinely, this podcast is one of our favorite things to do and seeing that you are just sharing the episodes you love the most, giving us feedback and telling us what episodes that you're stoked to hear about. Uh, It is all just so helpful and it makes our hearts shine so much. So thank you so much. And uh, if I could be so bold... We run the stats on this show every week and y'all show up and show out for us and each episode receives over 4K downloads and listens each week. Like that is absolutely insane. I can't even wrap my head around how many people listen to me babble. Like that that just is mind-blowing. So from the bottom of our heart, thank you. Genuinely, thank you. And that said, if you are a regular listener to the show and you haven't yet left us a five-star review, if you would be so kind as to pause this episode and take two minutes to do so, it would mean the absolute world to us. It helps the podcast out so much. And like I said, we have over 4K listeners for every single episode, but uh, we don't have 4K reviews yet. So I mean, I, I, I'm no mathematician, but that means quite a lot of people who listen have not yet left a review. So, all right, you get it. I'll step off my soapbox, uh, but you rock for being here no matter what. Genuinely, we love you so much. Now, today is about to be a fun episode. Evie and I are going over our hot takes on some specific things in the photography industry. We are chatting about major trends or things that happen frequently in the world of photography that we have lots of opinions on. Now, good or bad, right? We're talking about it all. And we'll talk about things like the blurry photo trend everyone is doing right now, what our opinions are on drinking on the clock at receptions, the sliders in Lightroom that we legit never touch, or whether or not we think Uh, photographers should wear all black on wedding days, and literally so many more. It's about to be a super juicy episode, so let's dive on in. Hey, photographer, are you on the struggle bus to find your editing style? Do you feel like you spent hours upon hours on one photo in Lightroom and still don't like the final product you send off to your clients? As photographers ourselves, we can say we feel your pain. We have been there. It can be hard finding an editing style that you love that feels honestly like you. Yes. And here's the truth of the matter. Every single photographer goes through this. Everyone struggles at one point or other in finding and honing in on their perfect style. And that is perfectly normal. But today we do not want you to stay stuck, which is why we want to chat through our top eight pieces of advice to discover the editing style that makes you and your clients' hearts sing. (laughs) Visit theheartuniversity.com forward slash style to utilize our eight tips to nail your editing style. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All righty, it is time to dive into the juice, the tea. The we are so excited. Fun. <laughs> I ran out of uh, out of things Adjectives. to call it. <laughs> yes, it's all good. It's all good. So we are going to be going over a bunch of photography hot takes. Uh, we thought of some ourselves as well as uh, pulled our followers on Instagram just to kind of see, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? What hot takes in the photography industry uh, are hot and sp- 
spicing. That didn't make sense. Um, anyways, yeah. So we're going to get excited. into it. Um, I apologize also if I'm like an absolute basket case. I This probably won't reflect in the episode, but y'all listen. Taylor Swift just announced our tour. <laughs> Evie's rolling her eyes right now at me. Uh, Taylor Swift just announced our tour and like apparently you have to like sign up to be a preset, whatever, like a fan. I'm like, I'm a fan, but you have to like sign up for, on Ticketmaster to be a fan. And I have like multiple tabs open while we're recording this and I'm in the queue to register. <laughs> but it's about three-fourths the way done. So we're 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 rocking and rolling, y'all. But it's not oh even to buy the gosh. tickets. It's literally just to, I don't even know what it is. It, whatever. I just do the things and I get the tickets, guys. She says, I follow the steps to see my Tay-Tay in, in person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's okay. get into it. All right, so we're going to start off strong. We're going to start off with one that people have been actually asking us to talk about uh, for a while. And then when we posted the poll of like, you know, what do you want us to talk about? This one was repeated. And Lindsay and I knew from the minute this was one of our first on this list too. So the blurry photos slash the blurry movement trend that that is really building momentum and steam right now. Lindsay, why don't you start us off with uh, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so... Here's my my first reaction when I saw it everywhere was annoyance because I was like, are, are we just now excusing like bad photo taking for art? That was like my first reaction. And then guys, I started doing it and I was like, this is fun. <laughs> so, so, but I, I, I think overall, my opinion is I like it. Um, I think it's a vibe. I think it's an art or form of the art. But I think if you rely and lean on it, too heavily and do it for like every single set on a, on a shoot or a wedding day. Like, no, like I, the only times I've done it have been in a, like during the couple photos of a wedding day for like one set, like set meaning like one, like pose, you know, where I'm like, Oh, let's like switch my camera settings to go like do a fun little blur because it it matches the vibe. I also don't do that for every time or every wedding, because I think it also should match the feeling and the vibe of the, of the wedding or the shoot. And if that's not the kind of like vibe that your couple is bringing or or I don't know, I just have opinions on like people doing it like every single time because yeah. I feel like that's too much. Well, I think it also, there's a part of me that, that devil's advocate coming in here says, well, if somebody that is somebody's signature style and people are booking that photographer for that look... I think that's different though than people like hopping on the trend. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, that's, in my mind, that's typically an exception. Um, And I would warn anybody who is making that their signature style right now that trends like these in the photography industry, like Lindsay and I have been doing photography and and watching the photography industry for like 10 years, like close to 10 years. And these trends come and go. So Mm -hmm. I would just be cautious of really making that your entire brand image and your entire art form. um, Because most likely in the next couple of years, if not sooner, because this this trend has been brewing for at least like a year Mm -hmm. um, at this point you know, it, it, it'll probably fall out. So my opinion is very similar to Lindsay's. I actually have always loved that, uh, visual. The minute it started coming out, I didn't, I didn't find annoyance with it. I found like, I I was cautious of like, oh gosh, is every photographer now going to jump on this? So I was Mm -hmm. a little more like cautious of, I didn't jump on the trend right away, just kind of to like, I don't know, see what was going to happen with it. Um, 
But I, there's something so beautiful in it. I've always loved like movement and motion blur in photos. Yeah. And and when we're talking, I think I'm talking more specifically on motion blur, not necessarily like the whole photo is super blurry. Like that's like 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 out of focus. I think those are the two different. Well, know. yeah. You're not delivering a whole gallery that's out of focus. <laughs> I think there's a difference though, even between motion blur. Like, so if you're giving your couple or your subject a prompt to move yeah. and you're blurring that motion, I think that's been a thing for a while. Like yeah. where that's intentional. But I, I almost feel like this trend has now kind of, I've, I've seen a lot of like detail shots that that are like the shoes are blurred. Like, yeah. so it's not like a, the subject or the item is moving. It's just that like, you're intentionally like lowering your shutter speed and then yeah. like moving your camera. camera as you take the photo. Yeah. Um, but they, they go together. They look very similar when, you know, edited. Yes. And I think at the end of the day, every artist is, I said that weird, but every artist is, is different. Every artist has different loves and every client is going to appreciate different loves. Lindsay and I both utilize motion blur in specific weddings, specific sets, like Lindsay mentioned, um, specific situations. I have, you know, intentionally set up, uh, recently, um, a free, shoot with a couple of friends that I really wanted to like just experiment with like a whole bunch of different poses with motion blur and just different things. And it was a creative outlet for me and it was so fun and the photos turned out amazing. So I I do think, I guess this is my hot take. I, I don't think this should become an entire brand pillar. Like this is your signature look for a vast majority of photographers because I do think it's going to go out of vogue. I think it's going to Mm -hmm. fall out of fashion. And if you've built your entire reputation on that, you might struggle in the future with with rebuilding a brand image. However, I love the beauty of motion blur. And I think it can be used so artfully and so tastefully. And I think there is a timelessness to selective and very like tasteful motion blur in yeah. specific situations, specific sessions, specific weddings, specific sets. Um, so I, I don't feel like I have a crazy hot take on it. I, lo- I love the trend, but I recognize that it is a trend. Maybe that's my, like my bottom line. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. All right, the next one. Um, this, I don't know if actually this is, th- we put this on the list. <laughs> We were like, this is a hot take that we think no one knows. Not even no one. Like, a lot of people do it, but a lot of people don't do it. Um, And we are very passionate about this. So, the hot take is not in light... So, in Lightroom, not having one catalog that houses literally every single thing that you shoot. Yeah. So, our hot take, our, our advice, our tip is to actually make an individual catalog for every single wedding and session that you shoot. Yes. Um, many reasons for that. One being if you house every single thing that you edit under one catalog, one, it bogs down your catalog and it takes forever to load and it just slows down your editing process. But two, what happens because technology is fickle, what happens when your catalog corrupts because, you know, you have no control over that because again, technology, and then you lose literally all the edits. You won't lose the photos obviously, but you would lose the edits for all of the sessions and weddings in that catalog, which is annoying as crap. So many reasons that so our hot take make an individual catalog for every single session of wedding guys. It, I I know it's sometimes more annoying, but you I don't find it annoying at all because I can find oh. photos so quickly when I need to go back to something. Well, see, and my Lightroom is so fast, and it's like oh, I agree. I, love it. I agree with all of that, but I used to do this the wrong way. Like I used to do it where it was like one, one catalog. catalog for everything, and I the simplicity of having just one thing to open and then it's all right there, like. 
Whereas yeah, oh I, gosh, I find it so slow when you, I do agree. That. I know I agree, <laughs> but there is a slight annoyance if you're multi, if you're editing like multiple things, or if you're going back into the editing catalog, like when, when I was creating, uh, like photo marketing things for my presets, I had to open so many freaking different catalog. Like I couldn't just go back to one catalog and then open them all. And they're all there to work with. I had to yeah. like open and close. That's the annoying part is what I'm saying, but it's worth it for the benefits of never having, like, yeah. not having your entire work crash or and bog down. And how slow Lightroom goes. I mean, the number of people who will message me and be like, my Lightroom's so slow. And I'm like, start using, you know, separate catalogs. And by the way, this is... Don't house enough. your... Oh, is that what you were going to say? Going to put them on external hard drives? Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> Same brain. Same brain. <laughs> yes, put them on your external hard drives. So I have, and this is a whole other topic, but I have all of my work like I have folders for like wedding, elopement, couples, personal, mm-hmm. um, collabs. You know, those are that's typically like, and then presets, whatever. So it's all like my photos. And then under weddings, for example, I would have, you know, Tommy and, and Jane. Um, and then under Tommy and Jane, I have the RAWs, a folder for RAWs, a folder for final edits, and a folder for their Lightroom catalog. So it's very easy for me to go back if I'm wanting to like, oh, let me pull up, you know, Tommy and Jane's because... I want to re-edit or pull these for, you know, preset marketing or whatever it is. It's so easy for me to go in and be like, it was a wedding. Here they are. Here's their name. Here's the catalog. Boom, open. So yes, it takes an extra step in that you don't open one catalog and everything's there. But as long as you're filing it well on your external hard drive, like they're very easy to find and it's so much faster. So that's our hot take on catalogs. So the takeaway also from what she just said is don't put... Because I feel like so many, I feel like people are like, oh, shoot, I'm feeling called out like right now. Because I feel like a lot of people use one catalog and then they house that one individual catalog on like their desktop or somewhere on their actual computer. That's how Lightroom comes automatically. So if you haven't intentionally created a new catalog or changed the location of the default catalog, which... I did not do when I first started. So there's no shame in that. But if you don't know better, you're basically running all the meat of that data, that file, that everything off of your computer's built-in hard drive, which will get very slow and very full. That's why a lot of people have no space on their actual computer because they don't realize their catalogs are being stored on their actual computer hard drive. So change that. Hopefully (laughs) that was enlightening to you. Okay. Yes. (laughs) All right, next hot take. This was one that I suggested because I had thoughts on it. Um, And Lindsay and I are going to discuss is cropping free form, like cropping unlocked versus locked. When you go in to the crop section, you can choose to have no like constraint on it. It's not within a certain, um, what would you call that? Uh, Format? yeah, Yeah, like the natural photo from a camera is taken in a certain form. I can't remember what the actual aspect it's like, ratio it's like, is. It, it's like, yeah, aspect ratio. That's a good word. Well, I mean, like every single photo is a normal aspect ratio. And yes. you, if, you, if you're if you cropping in, you can choose to lock the little lock pad on Lightroom. To keep it within the keep it within ratio. the, which is nice for printing, right? Like, so this is kind of where the hot take comes in is a lot of people artistically love to crop, like just however the hell Unlocked. they want unlocked and make it either like a super long skinny horizontal image because that's the vibe or like go in for a square or not even a perfect square just like they just like crop however they yeah. want um and and I think that's beautiful for art uh, but then the, <laughs> the argument is I'll let Evie share the argument because I agree with that. okay I'll go <laughs> well my argument is when a photographer doesn't have it in the back of their mind that 
when you crop unlocked and you're not following any aspect ratio, your clients can't ever print that image without losing the specific crop that you wanted for them. Well, so, you know, I don't know that. Could, could It might just be more expensive. Uh, I don't know if I know that. I mean, I'm just thinking like... They would you know, have like to get you, very, like, create... They would have to either cut the image once it printed or like they would have to do something weird in order to even frame it like that. Even yeah, frames like come in, in like random. Right. If you're trying yeah. to print, your typical options are like four by six, eight by 10, you know, uh, 11 by 24 or whatever, whatever it is. Like there's specific ratios that photos are intended to be printed in, to be utilized in. Even when it comes to, you know, posting on Instagram, there's, there's just like, I have concern when I see photographers just willy-nilly constantly cropping with no aspect ratio in mind because my concern is how usable is that image for a client should they choose to print it? Not saying that you can't occasionally like be artistic and have fun. I just, when I am delivering to my clients, I'm almost always cropping in an aspect ratio. If I'm just doing like a free shoot or fun and having fun with cropping, that's when I let myself have fun with like, the unconstrained, like free unlocked crop. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I need to loosen up a little bit. I just, I don't know. I have like concerns if you're just cropping in whatever ratio you want and then your clients can't actually use those images for like, I don't know, posting, but printing specifically as well. So here's my hot take that's opposite of hers, kind of. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I do it definitely, I think more than Evie because it sounds like you're, you don't do it at all. Yeah, right. I, I rarely do. If And if I do, like, I'll unlock it and see what I like on the image and what, like, clicks for me. And then I'll constrain the crop again and find what you know, I loved. I'm really regretting not asking Annie Graham this question when we had her on the show because she would have been the perfect person because I feel like she definitely creatively crops. She Yeah, she might. And I Maybe I just need to loosen up. <laughs> no, it's fine. Well, here, here's the... So I, I do it, but I don't do it for every single client. Or every single shoot. Um, and when I do do it, it's not like I'm, I, I keep that in mind, what you just said, because I think that is a, an important thing is like you want your gallery to be printable. Like that's the, the goal. Yeah. Um, and I, I think if you're doing that for every single photo, that is annoying for your client. I only do it and do a free crop when it's artistic and, and it, like the photo. It, it the weird crop that I'm doing is adding to the art form that it is. But I agree that like it, in order to print that photo, they would either have to either go in even further to yeah. like kind of make it a normal aspect. Which then ratio? the art of your crop that you worked so hard to get. So that's my that's where I am like yeah. Well, like hold you on, listen, <laughs> they make square frames. They well, make square. Frames. Yeah, but I'm just like yeah, they make sure, panorama frames, right? They make skinny horizontal frames. I know, but I'm just even thinking like like everyday usage, not just printing. Like if a client's wanting to use it as like their lock screen or like something and you're giving them like this like short and stubby, like more like square. Like, I just don't have a problem with that. I would love, I would love any photographer listening. I want your opinion on this. Yes. <laughs> guys, guys. Because this is maybe like the one hot take that we are like kind of different. But I, I get your point though. Like I am so on your point. I just don't know if I care enough. But I know. I, guess I care in, about my clients. I guess in my mind, I think there's a way and what I've really worked hard to do is find a way you can get often a very similar artistic crop with, with, the, aspect with the aspect ratio. You just, I, in my mind, 
it takes a little bit more work to actually really focus on what is the area of this photo that I'm really wanting to highlight? How can I like artistically showcase that? Like, I don't find that my crops don't allow artistry. I think Uh I just, I intentionally put that limit on myself because I feel like it's more like actually tangibly useful for my clients when they want Mm -hmm. to use that photo. I feel like this argument comes down to which is more important, art or functionality? Ooh, guys, we want your, we want your hot take. (laughs) But my point was, I think there's a, I think with aspect cropping, you, you can do both. You limit the artistry a tiny bit. Well, okay, here, let me let me give an example though. Like I just edited a vow renewal that I shot in Florida like last uh, month and I was doing, wow, this is, I'm, this is literally a plot. Like I did a blurry <laughs> photo of the water. So I'm really <laughs> calling myself out of what the first hot take that we talked about, but I did like a motion blur of like the water coming in on the sand at sunset. Cause I was like, guys, this is a vibe. Like it's <laughs> like, you know, like the waves when it like comes, yeah. like it like curls up. Yep. So I, I took a photo. And it was like slightly, but it wasn't super blurry, but just like a little bit, just enough to give it like a little soft romantic feel. And when I cropped it for the gallery, I'm pretty sure I'm not, I just not in front of my face right now, but I'm pretty sure I did like a really skinny horizontal, like long, cause, cause it, it, it matched like the, the length of the, like the curl. Okay, but like my, the horizontal curl. But my question is, what good is that other than a client to glance at it in their gallery and think how pretty? Like, how will they ever possibly use that? That can't go into an album. That can't go on like any. Well, the client was is a graphic designer, so I was like, oh, she could pull that in, and however she could use it, like in a collage. Yeah. Well, I said that weird collage. collage. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I think more artistic clients that that. I think they there is a way that they can use it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're working with like Sarah, who's a graphic designer, you might be right. able to have a little bit more like flexibility with something like that. But I'm thinking of like your average client. Well, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do that for the average client. So that's maybe the answer is like pick and choose who, who you're going to really, because like that, yeah. I did it, it. It was a very like, it was, it looked like a ruler. Like that was like how like skinny, it was maybe not that skinny, but like it wasn't anywhere close to like a four by six. I would also like pick and choose even if you do it, you know, like like free cropping, more artistic cropping without any ratios for, you know, Jan and, and Bill who are doctors who, you know, aren't going to use it as like graphic design or whatever. I would just be, I would just caution you to keep in mind when you are cropping, can they ever use this photo other than looking at it in their gallery and thinking that's pretty? Like, you know what I mean? Like if it yeah. is, not to say that you can never do it for for the doctor clients. Well, or, you wait, know. Can they, can't they put it in their album? Because like, uh, I, in my opinion, like the one that I did that on is a picture of water. Like, You're not going to print water and put it on your wall, are you? Well, maybe. It was really artsy. I was going to say, it like if it adds to the storytelling of like, like if I had a photo of something like that from it like a session. It almost felt like art. Yeah, like I would want that in my. But it was a, not art in a <laughs> four by six. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's you got our thoughts. You got the gist of it. Okay. And now we want to hear yours. So feel free to <laughs> DM us, or maybe we'll put like a a story up on the heart the day that this goes live, or something. We'll we'll do something. So either way, reach out. We want to hear your thoughts on that one. And now we'll move on to the next one. <laughs> all right, all right. The next one is it. It very much goes in line, I think, kind of with like kind of the, the line of stuff that we've been talking about, the blurry photos, maybe cropping a little bit. Well, not really crop, whatever. Uh, it's the film comeback trend. So basically, 
I think this one was submitted to us, but we agree with it of just like, it's a hot take right now, which is a lot of photographers are using film a lot more. Like it's, I feel like there is- A lot of people, not even photographers. Film is just having a comeback right now. Well, I think like the TikTok Gen Z generation is, is, I I honestly think it's from searching for that nostalgia. Like I think it's like a, it's a, it's a craving for, I mean, even in fashion, like 90s, trends like 90s fashion is coming back. So I feel like everything from the 90s is is coming back right now and that includes obviously film. Yeah. Even even I think this goes more into the unedited look too. Cuz like you'll see like like a few years ago like 2018 2019 a lot of like Instagram feeds were like overly edited and like very perfect and now like the hip cool young thing to do is to like not edit your photos at all and have a very like documentary like camera roll vibe. Lindsay's um, talking about like like influencers not necessarily photographers although I feel right. like you also see that with photographers a bit too. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where I think just in general, it's like, because film is edited, obviously, depending on what film role you're using, it might have like a certain you know color look to it. But usually people aren't editing over film. Like it's just is what it is because that's the art form. And yeah. I think a lot of that is coming back into the photography world. Yeah. I love it. I, I don't hate it. that. I don't, I don't have any opinions on that other than rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I love it. I, I feel like I, I was always sad that that film had really lost its art and that film stayed in the photography industry, but only in... Like high-end. The high-end slash light and airy, like uh-huh. more Southern photographer world, which I was always like, man, like I love... I don't know. I just love the the timelessness and the, the class act that film brings uh-huh. to like a wedding day. I almost think that that has inspired. I feel like back in, like when we first started in the photography industry, I feel like flash was looked down upon yes. as like, as like, oh, ooh, I'm a natural light photographer. Like that's yeah. my bad. Like even I, I said that when I first started. Um, and now I feel like people are leaning more into flash, even in, in situations where it's not just a reception, yeah. like even in the daytime or even in, which I feel like I'd like joke about like a flash on a beach with a family, like at family sessions, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a vibey <laughs> flash yeah. where it, it's the reason people are doing it, I think is to look more like film. Yes. Yeah, well, and so I think both of us really love the film trend. I I personally have been shooting not not sessions, just my personal life, like adventures and trip to France and like different mm-hmm. things on disposable film cameras to kind of make sure do I really like this whole process of film and after shooting with a friend recently at a beach and shooting on her like actual film camera while shooting her brand photos for her, I walked away and I was like that's it Landon. Like I've wanted a film camera for a couple of years, but I was like, that's it. Like, I'm sold. I have to get one. So mm-hmm. I'm all on board with the film trend. And again, I would recognize that that might come and go again. It, it might be something like kind of like the, the movement photo I also trend. feel like there's a timelessness though. Oh, for sure. Like, I'm What I'm trying to caution is like, just because we say we love it and it is a fantastic trend and we love that the art form is coming back, I wouldn't necessarily like encourage every single photographer to... Right. That you must learn film in order to stay relevant. Like I don't, I don't feel that. I feel it. Oh, if you, if you love it, if you love the art form, even just for your personal stuff. Like I honestly don't know if I, I probably would, but I'm, I'm not thinking like, oh, I must get a film camera because I'm going to add it into my sessions or weddings for my clients. I'm thinking right. I love film and I love shooting it 
in my daily life and documenting life that way. Uh-huh. So I'm going to get it for myself. And knowing me, I'm probably going to start shooting it on sessions. That, yeah. Anyways, we love it. I love yeah, that that's awesome. coming back. Andrew got me a film camera for our wedding. Like that was the, my wedding day present. And we took it on our honeymoon. And still to this day, like those are the most fun film photos yeah. that we've ever taken. Because um, it's just like, it's, it's memories and it's tangible. And it's just, yeah, it's yes. great. I love it. That's great. Product shop owners, listen up. This one's for you. Do you ever get frustrated trying to keep track of all your material expenses, sales, inventory, and more? Don't worry. We got you covered. Introducing Inventora. Inventora is the all-in-one system for handmade businesses, makers, and manufacturers. Yes, Inventora can help you manage your materials, product recipes, components, suppliers, all in one place. It can even integrate with your e-commerce platforms like Shopify and Etsy to help keep inventory levels in sync between the two, or more if you have Wix and Square as well. Designed with advanced inventory reports, you will always have a deep understanding of how much you've spent on materials and how they flow through your business month by month, as well as the much-needed end-of-year inventory value report for tax season. Yes, Inventor is the perfect solution for a variety of businesses, candles, soap, fabrics, jewelry, and more. If you make it, Inventora can help you. You can join their completely free hobby plan to get started. To check it out, head to inventora.com and use promo code HEART for 20% off a paid plan for your first year. We wanted to interrupt this episode real fast to chat about counseling. Now, counseling is so often stigmatized in a negative way, and it absolutely should not be. Because Evie and I so firmly support counseling in all stages of life, we were so excited when BetterHelp, an online counseling company, reached out to us to be a sponsor on the show. We were able to try it ourselves for a bit, and our experiences were incredible. I was even able to go on and fill out a full list of information about myself, my desires in a counselor, including religious beliefs, and more. I was matched with an amazing counselor who shares my worldview, and I absolutely loved the ability to put preferences like that down on the questionnaire. Something else we genuinely loved about BetterHelp is that they offer four ways to get licensed counseling. Video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. It's honestly incredible. If you've been contemplating counseling but are feeling lost on where to start, we definitely recommend BetterHelp. We both had great experiences with them and have so many friends also loving their services. So we have an affiliate link for you today for 10% off your first month. Just go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash heart and hustle. All right. Next one. Next one. This one's, this one's tea. Okay. Drinking at the wedding while still on the clock. So most... Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. Well, Evie, have you ever done that? First of all, no, never on the clock. Never on I've the done clock. it. I've done it after the clock, but we'll like, get to still it. at the wedding, obviously. Yeah, like at the reception, like I'm done. My time is up. You're covered. I've set down my cameras, put them away, and grab a cocktail from the bar because my bride's been asking me all day to drink. Yeah, you know, with sense. her. I have, but when I say that, it's only been when like the bride or like the groom, like the couple it themselves has offered. Like, I, I I feel wildly uncomfortable first, like, if I were to go up, uh, like, without them, like, uh, giving me kind of the permission, like, verbally yeah. to do so. And when I yeah. say I've had a drink at, like, while still on the clock, I don't mean, like, even one full drink. Like, li- quite literally, I mean, like, a sip of wine to kind of feel like I'm enjoying the party, even though I'm, like, still very much yeah. there. Because I think energy-wise, at that point in the day, I am, like, so dehydrated and and energy deficient that like alcohol is not what's going to help yeah. um, in that moment. So yeah. I've done it, but it's been like barely anything. Like well, I don't I, take a full glass at all. I, I think too, you have to be very, very 
cautious of your and know aware of your alcohol tolerance. Um, yeah. Because you know, there's there's some people who can handle like three or four drinks or like, you know, three or four glasses of wine before they're really starting to like feel anything. Right. Um, in which case, you know, if you're, if your clients are really encouraging you, you know, have, have a drink with us and please like, you know, relax, enjoy it, like have fun with us. And they know that they can have a glass of wine without having any issues being fully on as a photographer. Like I'm not, I'm never one to like judge that. Like everyone knows their mm-hmm. own limits. However, I am the world's biggest lightweight. I'm not kidding. Like I would have four sips of wine and I would be feeling very buzzed. So I cannot, like I cannot possibly look at a thing of alcohol while I am on the job. Like I will never do that. Question, question. Have you ever done it on a session? No. Oh, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I am the world's biggest lightweight. lightweight. If, if I could handle like a, a white claw or something before a session when my clients are having one and still be able to like fully shoot confidently at right. the top of my game. Yeah, no problem with that. I just don't have that tolerance. That's so I funny. cannot. Because <laughs> I, I, I didn't, that wasn't the hot take. The hot take was very much like at a wedding because I feel like that's kind of obviously where it's more present. But I've realized, oh, there's been many times where like I'll bring beers for my clients yeah. or like champagne for a session, for an engagement session and I'll like sip it with them. But I, I again will be aware of like, I, I'm not going to- Your limits. Yeah, just be aware of your limits. Like you are still needing to create art and give a yes. good experience. And like, if you're going to inhibit yourself in a certain way, you need to be very careful. Um, yeah, no, I legit, doing that. I legit bring like LaCroix or sparkling juice. Like I will bring something for me to sip on that is non-alcoholic because I cannot handle anything yeah, no, alcoholic while I'm if, trying if to you work. Do, like if you do bring alcohol for them, you mean? Yes, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like on a session. So I'm not just sitting there watching them sip on something. Like I will bring something for me to also sip on. That makes sense. That does not have alcohol in it. But. I feel like that is a hot take though, because I feel like so many photographers like are super, and I think it also depends on your relationship with the couple. Yeah. Um, Cause it like, especially going back to kind of a wedding day reception, I know many photographers that are like, yeah, like give me the beer. Like, yeah. like, like it's almost like they go into the party atmosphere that the wedding already has almost yeah. maybe. And they're but, like, they're, they're, I think in some ways too, it, I don't know, it helps you blend in with like, I'm thinking of like, if you're on a party bus or something like that and everyone around you is drinking and you're just sitting there awkwardly in the corner, like, you know, I I could see a photographer being like, hey, let me have a drink in my hand and everyone will feel like I'm part of the crew and like I can, you know, continue to like join in with like the celebration. I think, I don't, I'm I'm not the person who's going to sit here and be like, gasp, somebody drank any drop of alcohol while on the <laughs> clock because everyone's tolerance is different. And I want to acknowledge that. Some people can truly have, you know, half of a drink and have zero ramifications from that. So I don't want to like yeah. say like never, ever, ever. However, I will say I am strongly encouraged. Do not ever drink on the job if you have any sort of low tolerance and do but not don't ever put yourself drink. in that position. Yeah, no, never. And don't ever drink without your clients like really encouraging or asking. Like, don't just come up to the reception go and the grab bar. a glass of wine. Like, no, don't just don't do that. The only what I think what we're talking about is when like your clients, you're, you've become really good friends with them, you've built a relationship, and like the whole day from like the beginning when they're doing taking you know drinking champagne or taking shots with their bridal party or whatever, and they're like, hey, have a shot with us, or hey, have a glass of champagne. Well, like, I would, from day I would one. never have a shot on a wedding day, especially at the beginning of the wedding day. Could you imagine? Yeah, but that's never. also tolerance. I mean, I would, I would be on the floor, but. <laughs> I think, you know, it's one of those things of just, 
if like I've had, I've put my cameras away and grabbed a cocktail and headed out on the dance floor because my couple has been begging me to do so all day long. And I'm finally off the clock, able to kind of like relax and celebrate and fully party with them versus like also working. So I think everyone's different. However, do not just be the photographer that is constantly drinking (laughs) while working because I don't think that's a good look. (laughs) All right. The next one is very similar, but photographers in all black. So I I think this one is like basically saying, do you wear all black to a wedding or do you not? What is your hot take on that? Um, I have to actually think about my hot take for a second. Um, I I feel like I'm not opposed to wearing other colors as long as it's not cream or white, but I feel like I typically just default to black because it's the easiest. Also, I feel like I'm pregnant now half the time. And so I just finding clothes that would work for like the logistics of a wedding day while also being pregnant, while also like not being hot. I just, I have a black romper and it fits my bump. So I'm like, good to go. Yeah. But like, I, I, I don't think it might, I think it also depends on the wedding. I've shot many weddings, especially elopements where I've gone a little bit more casual and I haven't worn like all black. Yeah. But I think for like a more fancy wedding, I tend to lean to a little bit more all black, but I'm not completely against it. Yeah, I don't for know. sure. I mean, okay. So my thought is, uh, black is very functional in that it hides any sweat, any yeah. sort of stains that occur throughout the day, any like, I don't know, mud, dirt. Like I, that's one of my biggest loves of black is because I am a sweater. And so I need- Imagine if you wore like light gray. <laughs> yeah, no, never, never in a million years, never in a million years. So that's, <laughs> that's, I'm a big fan of black for that reason, as well as I just, I don't know that, the. the the point as a wedding photographer, ideally, is to be so good at your job, but so unobtrusive that people aren't walking away from the wedding, like random guests being like, man, that photographer was really doing their job there in the ceremony. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you want to blend into the background as much as you can while still doing your job. And I find that wearing something very, like, neutral, un- like, not noticeable, such as all black, is a helpful tool for that. I agree if you're shooting like an elopement or a couple sessions, oh God, I don't, I, no, no way. Like I'm wearing whatever I want to a couple sessions. But for weddings specifically, I'm not the person that demands all my second shooters wear all black or myself even to wear all black. I just, I'm a fan of it. I think it looks professional. I think it hides sweat. And it's just easy to put together an outfit in all black versus trying to like find something that looks really professional and what now? I don't. I don't know. To me, I'm like I'm not trying to look stylish on a wedding day. I'm trying to look professional and hidden. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna wear all black. Typically, I agree fully. I agree cool. fully. All right. Next one is photographers feeling the need to quote unquote educate clients on how much it costs to run a business. Okay. So this one was submitted, and I think a lot of people do this. I mostly see it in like viral Instagram posts. Yeah. Like either if it's a reel or a graphic that, or like a pie chart that's like, hey, this is like, like, like it's basically like couples, this is why photographers cost so much money. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like half the time it's posted to be like a trendy, relatable thing for photographers to share. Yeah. Like I, I genuinely think that a good chunk of the reasoning behind why people post things like that is to get more views from photographers because um, it's very relatable in the photography industry because everyone agrees. They're like, yes. But I also think it is like on, on a subtler note to educate people on like, hey, this is genuinely why like your wedding photographer might be 5K, like yeah. things like that. Um, I just, I don't think I, so I mean, I don't know if that's, I have a problem with that 
I feel like I would have a problem with it if you include it into like your client like ex- like communication flow. Yeah, like, like you're if, on if a you client consult up, call and right. you're like, let me explain to you why I charge what I do. So my camera gear is $5,000. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, in my perspective, I actually think it is helpful because if you're not in the photography industry, if you're not in the business industry, I can, like I understand why somebody would be like, you literally press the button on a camera and you're charging me $5,000. Why? Because they don't grasp yeah. The the amount of time that goes into editing, the amount of time that you've taken to actually get really good at what you do, it's much harder than just pressing a button. And, you know, you have to pay for your editing software, your delivery software, like all of those things. People don't well, truly to mention, don't know that. Like they think, I think if you've been to a wedding and attended a wedding, wildly, wildly, wildly different than shooting a wedding from beginning to end. Yeah, Like the energy suck that it, like every time I leave a wedding at like 11 p.m. at night, <laughs> going to my car and I'm absolutely dead to the world, I literally think to myself, I'm raising my prices. Like, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> like literally, I am not getting paid enough for this crap. <laughs> like yeah. that's like well, my mind. And that's I'm leaving every single one. <laughs> what's funny too is like, you're literally, that's like 12 hours out of then going into like, you're not even covering the client communication and like all of that. So uh, for those reasons, like when I was a bride, I did not fully grasp uh, the the cost of flowers. Like when I was getting quotes from florists for bouquets or just different things, I was like, why is it so expensive? And then I saw something that broke down like, hey, this flower is costing me like 50 bucks to put in your bouquet. $50 for like four of them. This flower is called like wholesale price. Uh-huh. And so that like kind of helped me grasp, oh, I get it. Okay, so you're not just pocketing, you know, right. like, as a photographer, you're not just pocketing $8,000 because you're showing up for one Saturday and, you know, not hanging out with your fam, whatever, like no big deal and clicking a shutter. Like, no, 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 there's a lot more that goes into it. There's a lot of costs I'm not understanding. There's a lot of time that I'm not seeing that yeah. happening around this. So with that being said, I have zero issues with photographers educating. I actually think it's a good thing. However, what I will say is that cannot become a consistent thing as a photographer or it's going to sound like you're constantly complaining and like yeah. feeling like your clients like don't understand me, woe is me. So if it's, it's the attitude like, posture that you're yeah, sharing. If it's like coming from a place of like, hey, maybe this helps you understand whether you book with me or somebody else or, you know, maybe this helps you understand a little insight into the industry and you post something like that or share something like that like once a year, mm-hmm. A-okay, I love it, go for it. If that's becoming something that you're talking about like every single week or like anytime you have a business expense, you're being like, here's another expense, clients, this is what you're paying for. Like that shouldn't become your like anthem is to like, drill home or drive home how expensive your job is. And like, right. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, those are my thoughts. Like, I think it's a great thing when done in, in reasonable measures. All right. The next hot take sliders in Lightroom that we'll never touch. This is a fun one. So we actually like went through Lightroom and like looked at, okay, wait, what are the sliders that I never, because I think the difference here is we're going to mainly talk about ones that we don't touch after we apply our preset. There are sliders that I think you might touch in order to build a preset if you use presets, that then you don't touch. So, like, it's not like we're looking at the sliders that are zero. Yeah. Like, we're looking at sense. the slider. Like, once we've a- applied our preset, like, when we're going through our editing workflow, preset applied, first and foremost, and then what are the sliders after that that we just never don't touch? touch. <laughs> Although I will say, I don't think, so, some of these I don't think even my preset is touching. 
Probably. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Okay. So the first one that I think I genuinely never, ever, ever, ever touch is texture and clarity. I know that that's in the section with the dehaze. And I feel like I touch dehaze very rarely, but but occasionally yeah. if like the sun is like, it's backlit and it's really, really hazy and like in someone's face and I can't really see their face. Um, but texture and clarity, I feel like I literally never touch ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah never. Um, unless I will say, I will go in and... I don't know. Let's say I'm I'm trying to, I don't know. I've just spot healed uh, a, a spot or something like that, and I'm trying to like pull out some of the clarity out of that spot so it like blurs into the background even more. And I'm yeah. using the like selection tool, and then I'll pull down clarity on that brush that I just right, put but in. not the whole photo. no, not the whole photo. Well, I guess okay. To that point, if you're ever softening skin, yeah. I think what you do for that, I think the actual clarity. brush is clarity or texture. It's like lowers it. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, the next one is down under the lens corrections panel, um, which are the different sliders. There's like five sliders there, I think. I don't know if I've ever touched those in my entire career. <laughs> I've only touched them when I, well, I'm going to butcher the name of this. I think it's called chromatic aberration. Yep, that was right. Is that correct? Yeah. For what I'm about to say? Yes. Okay. It's when, I don't know what settings have to happen for this to happen, but you'll you'll know what I'm talking about when I describe this. It's basically like, say you're taking a photo of a tree and like it's backlit or the sun is doing something wonky and you'll notice like a, a very thin, like neon green line or like a, like a pink Purple. purpley line, uh, like along the edge of that tree based on how the sun is reflecting it. That's called chromatic aberration. I don't know the science behind it, whatever. Basically that panel is to like, if you mess with those sliders, it can get rid of like that neon green, which is, you know, sometimes nice. Um, that's the only time I've ever touched it, but like that's a very specific light circumstance that is very rare to happen. There's also there's also a, a button under, uh, oh, is it under lens corrections, but it's under auto. Oh gosh, I forget. When when you go to like, uh, oh gosh, there's, there's a literal like checkbox for remove chromatic aberration that you can just yes. one click. Yes. So you don't have to... <laughs> so you don't have to manually do that. Sometimes sliders. if it's like really, really wonky, that won't do it. So yeah. you have to like... Because then you can affect... You can really adjust if it's green or purple or whatever, you can adjust the actual color, and which is helpful. Chromatic aberration is also helpful with like houndstooth like suits or anything like that where there's like a, a super thin pattern that like will sometimes get like lines around it and you can yeah. remove that. But I feel like the only other one that I've never touched, I think in my entire app actual life is the radial filter. Like the like the brush that's like a circle, but I have. Is that what it's so, called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it's called? Yeah. Well, we're not doing joint. We're just sharing no, our no, feelings. no. I was just, I was just saying, like you're saying, you haven't touched it, but I have. And oh, okay, okay, yes. Like so, to each their I own. use, I use the like gradient, like the line one, especially for like horizons, mm-hmm. um, or if like uh, there's shadow on one side, but the radial, I guess, mate. I don't know. I just never use it. I think I am more likely to use a brush in like a sum of a circle pattern. Anyways, yeah. okay, great. The last one. Let's go. Last hot take. Posting sneak peeks before sending sneak peeks to clients. Ooh. <laughs> I feel like this is the one where we're going to go hard. <laughs> I mean, I, it's not even hard. I feel like I don't have a lot to say. Just don't do it. <laughs> like, like that's, I find that so bad. The rude. whole world is seeing their photos before they had a chance to enjoy them by themselves. And I have... Yeah. I just, that that feels so, like, invasive. Not invasive. Just rude. Just, like, uh, I don't know, like, invasion of privacy. Like, they don't have a chance to see the photos themselves before the whole world is getting a chance to enjoy them. Like, no. No. Yeah. 
So <laughs> recommendation, just for a good client experience, like when you are editing sneak peeks, send them to your client, um, whether it's through an email, like an actual gallery or texting them if you have that relationship, whatever. Just make sure that they get them and see them before you're like posting them to the world. I yes. feel like that's, I that's the hot, I mean, I feel like, we're very passionate about that, but it's also very simple. Like, don't do that. Yes. At the very least, I've seen, you know, at the very least, even if you're not totally sure that they've seen them, if you're delivering, let's say you're delivering sneak peeks um, the day after their wedding. So their wedding was on Saturday. You're delivering them Sunday night or Monday morning, whatever, you know, well, let's just say you're delivering them Sunday night and then you schedule the post to go live on Wednesday. That's fine. Like, I, I think that's okay. It gives them a few days yeah. to like see the photos, enjoy the photos. What I have issues with is like immediately posting like Saturday night when they're like heading back to their hotel, heading off to their honeymoon. Oh, like when the wedding was that day. Yeah. Or even like the next day, like you haven't even sent the sneak peeks to the clients. I guess that's the biggest thing. Even if you like, let's say you send the sneak peeks on Saturday night or Sunday morning and the clients don't open them until Monday and you posted Monday, like Monday night and you posted Monday morning. To me, I still, I'm like, oh, that's a bummer that they didn't see them when you sent them, but at least they had first access. Yeah. Like they were sent the photos before the world was sent the photos essentially. So yeah, like you don't want them to not receive them in their inbox or their messages at all. Like they're seeing them for the first time via your Instagram. Instagram. No, absolutely not. All right. Hope that was fun. All, all right. right. <laughs> that was that was that was all the hot takes we got for you today. <laughs> that was, that was a good one. That, that was, was good. supposed us, to be like a twenty minute episode, and here we are. <laughs> we are opinionated, guys. Uh, let us know if you want us to do this again. I feel like there's like five more million hot takes that we could cover. Yes. Uh, and we didn't even cover that many yet. We clearly still blabbed for fifty minutes. So great, cool. Um, <laughs> If let we should do a part you, two, let us know. Yeah, if we should do just like make this a series. Let us know, or if we should do hot takes in other industries or just like creative entrepreneurship, small business, like mom butcher. I can't even talk. Whatever. You get it. Mom entrepreneur. Yeah. I was trying to say that word, but that didn't work. Anyways. um, Yeah. Let us know. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yay. This was fun. (laughs) We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hanging with us. And we will see you on the next episode. Yes. Bye.